things are yours. That's what Paul said in First Corinthians. All things are yours. And I've started going into some of the things that are yours, that are mine, that God has already given to us, that we can stand on. And we talked about the first one, which is the freedom from sin. Jesus made it clear in John chapter 10, he said that if the Son makes you free, you shall be, I believe it's John chapter 8. Yeah, from verse 32. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. He says, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. So knowing the truth is what makes us free. Now in Romans chapter 8, I believe verse 7, no, not chapter 8, what's wrong this night, chapter 6. <laughs> it tells us there that we were sinners, but we have believed that form of doctrine that was delivered to us. And being made free from sin, we become servants of righteousness. So you are free from sin. And in the same chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It's hard to say. It's not saying you can never ever sin, but no sin is permitted to have dominion over your life and rule you until it destroys you. Jesus can free you if you believe the truth. That's what he's saying. That's one of the things that God gave us through his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For what purpose? So that you can be free from the power of sin, so that sin will not have dominion over your life, governing everything that you do. You're free from it. You know, when I was growing up, I, I saw men, grown men, you know, they, they, want, they really have to smoke. And I'm not saying if you smoke, you're going to hell. But it's a sign of some deeper problem. And you need to get rid of it. But they'll, go, they'll wake up at night looking for a place, that's back home, looking for a place to get something to smoke. Can't sleep. That's slavery. That's slavery. You have to have it. You don't have to have anything. You can be free from it. So that's the word of God in that day. Secondly, I want to talk about the freedom from Satan's dominion. Freedom from Satan's dominion. Some people, as it is, don't believe that there is a, a devil. I want to take you to Africa to one of my meetings. It won't take you long before you believe. <laughs> Amen. Because many times we in Africa, we understand the powers of darkness because we started experiencing it from the days we were little. Some of the things I've sometimes shared with Brother Daramola and we're talking about some of the things that we are seeing. Sometimes we can't share it with people here. I mean, it's in your nuts. <laughs> they don't believe. But there is the devil. God says there is a devil. So the devil is this. It's either you belong to God or you belong to the devil. There is no middle ground. If you are not a child of God, guess whose child you are? You are the devil's child. There's not, you can scream and holler and say, I don't feel that way. I don't think so. It doesn't matter. The devil knows you belong to him. If you don't belong to God, you belong to him. So there is a devil in the world. I think after we got saved, we quickly realized that there is a devil in the world. 
right after you give your life to Christ, he starts attacking. Then you know. So I don't have to tell you whether you're saved or not. You know something has changed. Because all kinds of things keep coming at you. And you have to keep resisting and resisting. Because there's an outside force against your life. But the truth about it is God has given us freedom from Satan's dominion. He said it in Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Beginning from verse 19, it says, Behold, I give to you the authority. I give to you the authority. How many want to receive that authority tonight? Yes. When you go through the program, if you want to become an officer, when you get through the program, they swear you in, and then you have your authority. Now you can walk out with your authority. I, I, so it's really funny. When I'm driving... It doesn't matter if I'm going way below the speed limit, right? If I see a cop, <laughs> it's just, it's, am I alone in this? Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, I can be way below the speed limit. Once I sight that cop's car coming, and I look down, oh boy, okay, you're okay. He can't hurt me, right? But he has the authority. He has the authority. He has the power. Just the sight of him is enough trouble for me. <laughs> and that's what it is. It should be the same way for Satan. Because God has given us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. Satan has some power, but God has given you authority, not power, authority over all the powers. I've said this here before, an officer is not going to be able to stop uh, an 18-wheeler trying to get through the uh, intercession with his hand. You know, pushing it back, it's not going to work. All he needs to do is exercise his authority. Just put his hands... Sometimes they don't even look at you. You're coming so fast... He looks the other way, puts his hand out, and you, you step on that thing in all the noise because you don't want to... He, that's authority. We have that authority in Christ. Jesus said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the important thing. Why, do we, why is it that we are able to trample on Satan and on scorpions? Trample him and walk over him. Walk over him as if he's nothing really. Why? Because in Colossians 2.15... The Bible says, haven't disarmed principalities and powers. So Satan has no armory. He cannot fight. He has nothing to fight with. That's what we need to know. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. We need to know that Satan can rage and do all that stuff, but he really has no power. He has no weapon with which to fight. And we are in a war. We are armed armed by the Holy Spirit. And here is Satan. He has nothing. His armory has been taken away from him. When Jesus rose from the dead, he took away his armory. He says, Avon disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You can't kill Jesus anymore. He triumphed over death. In fact, the Bible says, he had, Jesus now has the keys of hell and death. Now, we have that authority to trample on the enemy. Now, let me show you something. We have been commanded in the Word of God 
not to give place to the devil. Don't give him room. That's in Ephesians 4 verse 27. He tells us very clearly, we shouldn't make place for the devil. Give place, don't, no, give place to the devil. Don't give him place. That means Satan has no place to go until you give him room. He's wanting to go somewhere. He's wanting to occupy somebody's life. The reason why that is, is he's a spirit. He's not supposed to be in our midst. The earth was given to mankind. God created the earth for mankind. This is where we live. And the authority was given to us as mankind. And I've said this over and over again. God gave me this understanding because I kept hearing Jesus say words like, the son of man, the son of man, the son of man, the son of man has power. But that you may know that the son of man, and I kept saying, why is he saying son of man? He should be saying the son of God. But he was exercising his authority on the earth as a human being. Uh, the son of man has authority on the earth to do things. That's why we pray to the Father that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because until we agree on it, it's never done. Because this is our place. So Jesus, God said, I can't find anybody to do it perfectly. I'm going down. And he became a man. So he was declaring to the devil, I am a man. I have authority to, to walk here. But you know, the devil doesn't have authority to walk here. It's only the authority that we give to him that he has. He is constantly looking for somebody that he can use. A place. He's always looking for a place to live. Jesus told us, when an evil spirit is gone out of a man, he goes walking on dry ground. And when he cannot find a place of rest, he says, I'm going back to the, my house. So he calls your body his house. That's not acceptable with me. He's going back to the house from which he was driven. So he's always looking for somebody the same way as God is using, looking for somebody to use. And if he finds one, he's going to use that person. You just have to surrender. I think in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was saying, and heard, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall go for us? Who shall, who shall we send? And he says, Here am I. Send me. Well, can God find? God is looking for somebody to use. Why didn't God just do it by himself? Unless it's done through a man, it's never done. So God has given us this authority. And Satan is always looking for a place with which, uh, in which to work. You remember when Jesus cast out, uh, was casting out the demon from the uh, what, demoniac? Or the Galerian demoniac who had legion? They, Jesus said, come out of the man. They, they took permission. They needed a place to go. They said, if you, don't, if you won't allow us to stay in a human being, we are quite content to stay in pigs. Let us go, please. So they are always looking for a place. So don't give place to the devil. Don't give him place. When they try to occupy, what we should do is resist. Because they don't have place, they just want to occupy. Our, act, our action then is to resist them. And that's what it tells us in James chapter 4 verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As with, ter with terror. 
So what are my job, your job as a Christian is to resist the devil. He wants a place. He's coming to have a place. He wants to have a place in your heart he, or in your life or in your finances, your family, whatever it is. He wants a place where he can operate. You know, I've read of a, a lady, uh, an American woman that went to India and bought um, some uh, articles from, from the market there, but they were all dedicated to their gods. And she had a PhD, I think, in psychology or so. She brought that home and everything changed in her life. And it was through 700 Club, they told her, well, the reason you have that is, search your house, see, she says, I got this stuff in my house. And they said, well, take those stuff off. Took those things off, everything changed. Once you say no, they have to leave. You may invite them, but once you discover the truth, you decide, no, I don't want this anymore. They don't have a choice, they have to leave. First Peter 4, 8 through 9, it says, but be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's wanting to eat you up for lunch. <laughs> so, but you're not going to allow him. Don't give him room. He's like a roaring lion, but he's not really a, ro- uh, a lion because he doesn't have any teeth. No claws because he has been disarmed. They, all they can do is roar. And when he roars, we think, oh, it's all over. I can't survive this. It's so difficult. No. If you are with God, God has said, if God be for us, who can be against us? So stand your ground. He's go- God's going to come through for you. Amen? So that's the truth. He says, resist him steadfast- steadfastly in the faith. In other words, resist the devil steadfastly in the faith. And we know that if we resist him, he is going to flee from us. Is is is? Uh, I think I don't recall. I was dealing with somebody. I was saying, "What you're telling me is you're going through temptation. It happens to every one of us. Just because you are tempted doesn't mean you have sinned. He's going to come at you in every way, suggesting things to you, and but he speaks to you through your thoughts, and so you recognize that thoughts not coming from God. You can resist it, and it'll go away from you." So you resist him when he's trying to occupy a place in your life. You resist him. That's the way to deal with that. When he has already occupied a place, the thing to do is to cast him out. Amen? When he's already there, then cast him out. Prevent him from coming in. But if he's already in because of something you did, cast him out and you can do it. You have to cast him out. Mark 16 verse 17 tells us, All these signs shall follow those who believe. How many believers do we have here tonight? All, not some, all these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, only in his name, they will cast out demons. Notice that's the first thing, first sign, right? The number one sign. You can actually cast out demons. Where casting them out is important because they are doing something to you that is detrimental to your life, your family, and everything that you love. So you have to cast them out. I see when Jesus sent people out to preach the gospel, like in Matthew chapter 10, he sent them out to preach the gospel. He said, 
but go rather to the lordship of the house of Israel. And then in verse 7, he says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What are we supposed to do? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You have that authority. You have that authority. Jesus wants those demons cast out from our lives. Let me go to another matter about freedom from sickness and disease. Again, freedom from sickness and disease, just like we sin, you, can, you are going to be tempted to be sick. Just like we sin, because Jesus died for sickness as well as he died for sin. The same way, he died for both of those things. So, you can be free from sickness as you believe the word of God. God wants us completely free. He paid that price for us. Let's read a scripture here in uh, Psalm 107 verse 20. It says, He sent His word and healed them. He sent His word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. Now, because we're using the word destructions, I'm, I will submit to you, he's not only talking about physical healing. He's talking about every area of life. But what God did was to send his word. And his word is still here today. The name of his word is Jesus. He sent Jesus for everyone to be healed. He gave His only begotten Son so that everyone, anyone who believes in Him, everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus has been sent to bring us healing. Jesus is still healing today. The Word is still here today. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And in verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten of the Father. He dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. And that word was sent to heal the sick. Did you know that Jesus spent more time healing people than he spent preaching? There were multitudes coming with all kinds of sickness. And in some cases, he laid his hands on every single one of them. That tells me sickness is not God's will for us. Will he come and tempt you? Oh, yes. He wants you to let you, he wants to, he wants to make you know that there is something here that's causing the problems. That's the devil's work. The Bible tells us, I believe in... Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed his son with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit, and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So you see where sickness comes from. Sickness is from the devil. 
And so the devil will tempt you with your actions so you sin against God, but he will also tempt you with sickness, and if you receive it, you will be sick and will be destroyed. But he sent his word to save us from our destructions so we can be free from sickness and disease. Does it mean you, are, you can be sick? Yes, you can be sick just like you can sin, but you don't have to stay sick. And it's never over until God says it's over. You know, I remember uh, when I've said, shared this here before. Some of us haven't heard it. But when Toju was born, he was playing guitar up here, bass guitar. When Toju was born, we were told that there was no connection between his liver and his intestine. That's what they told us. I mean, newborn, first few days, Toju was so dark because of bilirubin all over his body. And they made it clear to us. I even got a call from Austin saying that this boy, you better look for support groups in the United States and find out how you're going to handle this boy because he's going to be mentally retarded all his life. That's what they told me. I mean, they called me in my home from Austin. They have him in record that this is what's going to happen to him. And I told my sister-in-law, that's not going to happen to him. We dealt with that since 1987. Because God can heal. It was amazing how the doctors were trying to persuade me to accept what they were telling me. They actually took me to the place where they were doing this kind of pointing everything to me. Describing, you see, there is nothing there. I told them, that's okay, I heard you. I've already heard you. Go do whatever you have to do, but this is not going to happen to my son. Told you hardly makes a B. Amen. It's all A's. If he makes a B, he cries. If he has just a test and there's a B, he hides that, that sheet of paper that we finally discovered. I told you, this was just a common test. It's not the final grade. He had a B and he hid it. Because B is, it was, not, it was not acceptable to him. So I, till today, I'm still pleading with him. That's not a, excuse me, but I don't want my son to be, you know, racking his brain. Just because he had a B. So I begged him, told you, it's normal. You can, a B is okay as well. He wants to make all A's. But that's what God can do. He sent his word to heal us. We know the scriptures, Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. He says, surely he has borne our griefs. All things are yours. You can be free from sickness and disease. Use it the way you want. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. The word grief there is the word coli in the uh, Hebrew. And what that means is sickness. If you have a literal translation, he will tell you that word grief will be rendered sickness. Surely he bore our sickness. So Jesus bore your sickness and carried your sorrows. That means pain. Jesus bore that for us. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. That's the sin aspect of it. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's still dealing with the sin aspect of it. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That is still dealing with the emotional part of us. If you are emotionally struggling, this is for you. So you can have peace. And rest. Jesus paid the price so you can have peace. Will things happen in your life that will make you lose your peace? 
possible? Yes, all the time. But trust in Him. Jesus said, if you can only believe, He will turn these things around. So He spoke to us. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. This was a prophecy by Isaiah in the Old Testament before Jesus came to the world. Way back then, maybe a thousand years before, Isaiah was letting us know that Jesus was going to do this for us. And then, when you go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, you begin to see what Matthew says about what Jesus has done for us. What has Jesus done for us? He says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed how many? All who were sick. You know, when I saw that, all who were sick, all who were sick, I started thinking, man, I wish I was in the days when Jesus walked the earth. I just go to Jerusalem, find him, and just, I know my trouble is over. What kind of sickness can you have that Jesus cannot heal? If the doctors have told you you are going to die tomorrow, and Jesus is in town, and you go to him, we all know you're going to live. If you go to him. But he's the same Jesus. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew tells, tells us about this. He healed all who were sick. In this scripture, Jesus was deliberate. He was trying to fulfill what was written of him by Isaiah. It says that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Jesus actually bore our sicknesses. And so we don't have to bear. We can be tempted, but we don't have to receive it. You don't have to say what, you know, what the doctor says is all over. If I'm ready to go home, then it's time for me to go home. But I don't have to receive that because God can strengthen your body. God can make you well. Then Peter told, tells us this. Isaiah said about what Jesus was going to do. By his stripes ye are healed. But this is what Peter tells us in chapter 2 verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body. So we are hearing it a second time. Right? He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we haven't died to sin might live for righteousness. Notice he goes to say, by whose stripes you were healed. You were healed. So he's going back to what Isaiah said. Now, Isaiah said you are going to be healed, but now Jesus is already finished the work. Peter is going back to what Jesus did, and he's saying you are already healed. You were healed by God. And all it takes is to believe God and you can receive your healing. We don't have to allow Satan to run us down, make us sick and weak. 
and be afraid of sickness, I will encourage you not to talk a lot about sickness. Don't talk, even if it runs in your home, don't talk about it. Talk more about Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Don't stay with the negative, stay with the word. It's the word that sets you free. You believe these scriptures that God has given you all things. He gave you the right to stay healthy. He gave you the right to stay healthy. You can use the right or you can decide not to use the right. You may not even know that you have that right to be well. God will heal you if you trust in Him and you are being healed. I like going into this message. It's so important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we need to keep repeating these things over and over till it gets into your spirit so you know without a doubt that Jesus came to get you well. If you were in the office this morning, I think Irina will tell you, I had to leave early. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to preach tonight because I just had all these sinus problems all day. Starting yesterday, I didn't even fight it. I wasn't praying about it, just going my way. And I decided, well, when time comes for me to preach, I will be able to do that. Amen? I will be able to do that. I don't have to be afraid. And coughing and sleezing and all of the ask Irene, and that was what I did all day long. I coughed in that office. See, I coughed them all out. No kidding. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. And come in here, Satan is saying, You're not going to be able to preach. You'll be coughing. Look at how you've been coughing all day. And I tell the devil, Forget it. When I get there, I'm going to be able to preach. I won't cough. Amen. I remember one time we were back there. And I had the same sinus problem. I don't know why, you know, he has found a weak, uh, weak spot. I don't know. Satan gives me a sinus problem. And uh, I was sitting back in, uh, standing up during prayer, I mean praise and worship in the front of the church, and, and the sinuses were really bad. It's like they were dripping, and I'm saying, oh God, there is no way to preach. And I said, Satan, now take your hands off my body when it's time for me to preach. If you don't, I will pray for the sick then. And then God's going to heal them and you lose. And he's going to heal me. They got to the very last song. And he still won't let go. And so when it was time for me to preach with my running nose and all of that. Well, sometimes when you run, run after the nose. Don't run the nose. But then, <laughs> catch that thing, okay? <coughs> okay. I'm sorry, I'm from Africa. Some things that we say here in this country don't make sense to me. <laughs> I have to say, what do you really mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I've heard the word good grief. And I told the and said, how can grief be good? I mean, <laughs> okay. So some things that you say, I mean, it kills. I mean, you know, Buddhist uh, foreigners, like, we don't know what you're talking about. Good grief? <laughs> oh, my. But the time came for me to preach, and I, he won't quit. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray for the sick. And I called. There was a lady, I think it was Jeannie. Pastor Eddie, remember Jeannie? She had been deaf in one ear for a long time. Don't know when it started, but it said she's, that was the, year, the day that our ear got healed. 
And she heard until she went to be with the Lord. She got healed that morning. And it was funny. After she got healed, she told me, we were so excited, I forgot I was sick. And I went to preach with no symptoms anymore. It's an amazing thing. The Word of God works. This is not about me. This is about who we worship. He's such a good God. He's such a gracious God. He loves us. All He wants us to do is trust Him. When things are going bad, keep trusting Him. Don't let go. Don't fret. I could have fretted all day. How am I going to preach today? Even while during the service, you heard me coughing there, yes. But God is powerful. And the funny thing is, after this, I believe He's healed me. I don't have to go there anymore. Sometimes I don't like discussing this with anybody because when you talk, they'll tell you back, you know, I know this man, he had that, the same stuff you got, and it was like three weeks before you got through. Basically, they're telling you you're finished for the rest, for three weeks. So keep these things to yourself. But stand firm on God's word. Amen. Because it works. It does work. It really works. It may not happen to you overnight. Stay with it. It will work for you. Unless there is no God. Don't trust in man. Trust in God in everything you do. Because God has given you everything. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will give it to you. So ask him, trust, trust God that he's going to take care of you. There are going to come circumstances in your life, including sickness and all of that, that will tend to make you feel like God has forgotten me. No, he hasn't forgotten you. He paid an awesome price for your life. You mean something to Him. Your life means something to God. And so He made the provision so you can have all things. You, on Sundays I'm talking about poor, but you don't have to be poor. God will take care of those things. You just have to trust God with all of your heart. He is faithful. He is faithful. And the generous thing that Satan likes to do is to make you fret and move you from your position of faith in God with the circumstances that are coming into your life. He wants to make you fret. God's not going to do this. You're no good. God does, he'll do it for everybody else but not you. He knows who you are. He'll do it for pastors. He says, pastor is holy. <laughs> you can. <kidding? laughs> He does it for all of us. Why? Because He loves us. Because He loves us. Because of His great love for us. And no one is rejected. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast, out, cast away. He will welcome everyone that comes. Even the uh, woman, a Gentile woman that came to Jesus, Jesus was testing her faith. And He just really made it hard for the woman. To see if she would give up. She said, heal my daughter. It's possessed. Jesus said, we don't give children's bread to dogs. That will take somebody away. I'm not going back to that church. Pastor called me a dog. I'm not going back. But she accepted it and said, I know what you're talking about. But the bread crumbs. The, the dogs can eat. And Jesus said, oh woman, how great is your faith. I mean, he pleased him so much. Faith in God 
pleases God. Especially when, can you imagine Jesus making it more difficult for the woman to believe? I mean, he was telling her, you don't deserve this. That's what he was saying. But the woman will not let go. You're too good for that, Jesus. You can read also in, in um, I believe in Genesis chapter 18, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham was pleading with him. He said, what if they got uh, 50 people in that city? You're going to destroy the righteous uh, from, with the wicked? He says, far be it from you. Would the judge of the whole earth not do what's right? He knew God, is, that's not his nature. He's a merciful God. We have to come to know the God that we're serving. And when we come to, once we know him, we don't have to be afraid anymore. Because he's always on your side. You can walk away from him. He's always there. His heart is always on you. Thinking about you. Concerned about your situation. And he says, cast your cares upon me. Because I care for you. So whatever the issue is, God cares for you. No matter what's going on. If it's good or if it's bad. You're good with him. As long as you are in Christ. As long as you are in Christ. In Ephesians, it says God is about to gather all things together in Christ. Everything, both things in heaven and things in the, on, the, in, 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 on earth. Under the everything is in Christ. So once I'm in Christ, I am safe. He's going to take care of me. There is no need to be afraid. God is faithful. So today I want you to stand up as we close. And I need you to trust God, whatever it is that you are going through. Even if you feel like you've blown it, I want you to trust God tonight that He is going to take care of you. Amen? It's good to see some of our visitors back here. Let's lift our hands up to Him and have a time of surrender to Him. If God has touched your heart today, then you want to surrender your life to Him totally. Say, God... I give you everything. Some of us have not experienced what it means to give everything to God. It's such a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of contentment. And that's what we need from our God. Father God, we give you everything. We give you everything and we trust in you with all of our heart. We give you praise, O oh God. I ask God that you will meet every need that's represented here in your presence this very night. I ask that you bless your people tonight. These are your inheritance. Jesus bought them for you as a gift to the, our Heavenly Father. So I ask that you bless your people tonight. Pour upon your lives, O oh God. Let the remainder of this week be so perfect in your lives. Let miracles take place. In their lives. For the remaining part of this week. Establish them. Your people in you Lord God. Speak to them in their sleep. Speak to them through their dreams. Speak to them oh God. Make yourself available to them. Ma manifest yourself. To your people. As they worship you oh Lord our God. We know that you are. The only true God. And you do exist. Yes, you are. Because we are alive. 
and we live. That is how we know that you are. You are there, God of the universe. Thank you for blessing your children tonight. Thank you for encouraging the hearts of your people tonight. And I give you praise, O oh God. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.